Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. Listen on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Ian Naylor, co-founder of Hyperize. Hyperize allows you to personalize your website and grow your conversions without code. Delight visitors by personalizing your images and website content. Ian, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Morgan. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm very good. Thanks. Very, very good. Yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. Doing well. We'd love to hear about your background. you got an interesting background and how it's led to what you're doing now at Hyperize. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long one. Um, it's 30 years I've been working now. So my first 10 years um, were really more technical. So a developer um, working for organizations, building stuff and then, you know, being managerial and my last actual job was with Adidas, which is a cool brand to work for. And I see you're wearing a nightcap there, but, you know, Adidas is kind of the OG to the minute. It's a pretty cool brand to work for. And it was a big jump to kind of give that. And I started my first online business, which was in 2000, which was actually selling cars online, built to order. I ran that first that, that wow. business for about five or six years, left the UK and moved to Sweden. But I was like 24, had my first exit bought a Porsche, left the country and thought I was kind of the king and then kind of tried to replicate it. And it took about another 10 years <laughs> uh, in, in truth. But before doing that, I kind of came to the ground with a thud in that time. I had a good time in between, lived in Australia and Thailand and, and what, whatnot. But yeah, I came back to the UK about 10 years ago. So this was just kind of as the iPhone was starting to come in prevalent, the, the app store had kind of opened up. And I've always been a big proponent of bringing technology to the masses, making things, you know, easy for everybody. And I just saw a real opportunity, you know, with the app store opening of making kind of apps for everybody, making a code-free platform. So um, I launched a, a company called App Institute, which is a code-free mobile app building platform that allows small business owners drag and drop to build like a WordPress for mobile apps, I guess was our strap line in the early days. And fast forward 10 years and now we're, Kind of right now in this current pandemic, we're we're serving businesses that need takeaway apps and you know table service, you know, and all of the kind of social distancing sort of things, you know, and it's enabling something that would ordinarily cost fifty grand or something that you can get it for like thirty dollars a month or whatever, you know, and you can have it in the app store in days, and that's for me, you know, being able to create as a creator, 
being able to do that is amazing. But I can rewind about three years ago, App Institute uh, was kind of doing well. We're VC funded, so we had a reasonable kind of bank balance. Our acquisition cost, our CAC, if you like, was about $700 and it was really killing us. You know, we're burning through the cash and there's so few channels that were viable because of the costing of our kind of onboarding and how we did that. So we set out to optimize that funnel, starting from the outreach and all the way through to the re-engagement and personalized every single step and then connected all those steps. So kind of we created this hyper-personalization kind of funnel and that literally kind of revolutionized the business in terms of the kind of the CAC. So, you know, the CAC's present day down to about $60, $70, you know, and it broadened out the, the channels that are available. And if effectively, that solution that we implemented, my partner, you know, the co-founder of App Institute, my wife, should I say, she saw that and thought, wow, what a brilliant philosophy or strategy or framework or methodology it is that you've implemented. It would be great if you could... You know, easily replicate that and so that was really the birth of Hyperize and so she's been or we've been working on that for you know for the last 18 months or so probably and we've been in beta from kind of May of last year to April of this year we launched on product hunt kind of mid pandemic <laughs> in kind of mid-April and got product number one of the day which was kind of, you know, great, kind of great to see, you know, nice little pat on the back in terms of, you know, you did a lot of work as a maker, building something in the dark, in the shadows. And then when you finally step out and you, know, you worry whether people are going to destroy it or kind of get it. Um, and when they do, it's kind of amazing to see. So sorry, that was a bit of a long no, that's uh, good. introduction, but yeah, that takes us to present day, really. That's awesome. And just curious about product, Hunt. how did you promote that? With App Institute, we've had a bit of experience of doing that a couple of times because, you know, with various different iterations and elements of the product. Um, so, I mean, I guess one of the key things is finding a good hunter. So we use Kevin William Davids. It was, I think he's either normally number one or number two, mm-hmm. switching with Chris Mensah, I think it is. Mm. If you Google it, there's a really good chart of shows you who's the present number one, number two, or the top 10 of product hunt hunters. And especially Kevin, he's really open to it. Up until recently, he was working for Angel List, you know, with, okay. which is where you know, the founder of product, Kevin Hoover, works as well. So he's very well connected. And, you know, he's available via Twitter. You can just kind of DM him and say, hey, can you hunt this? And if it feels it vibes with his audience, he'll do that. And that's a great start because when he hunts something, everybody that follows him gets notified. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, it's all about engagement. So we're lucky being in the UK because obviously it starts at kind of midnight, San Fran time, I think, which is at eight o'clock UK time. Mm-hmm. So we can be on it in the morning. And it's not just about votes. It's about engagement, upvotes and comments, so always replying. It's a full day activity. But for us, that gave us 100 trial um, subscribers for HyperRide. Wow. You know, so and then every day still... You know, we're in July now and every day it's still referring traffic. Awesome. Awesome. So you got your CAC customer acquisition costs down from 700 down to 60 to $70. Did you even think that you could get it, would have that effect or that it would have such a... No, no, absolutely not. We had a target of 170, which was the target, which seemed 
batshit crazy, excuse my French, <laughs> um, and also kind of COVID reference. But no, it just didn't seem possible. But that was kind of your our moon on the stick mm-hmm. goal, if you like. I think secretly we would have taken 300 or so. It was trying to, like, we needed to at least half it for, to make it viable. Essentially, you know, our lifetime value of our customers, you know, over a, it was like an 18 month payback at $700 essentially. So, you know, that's what, you know, it's just too long, you know, whereas now we're in month two, we're getting customer average payment back is month two. So we've gone from 18 months to two months. Wow. You know, it's, it's fundamentally changed or, or kind of enabled the economics of the business to work. But, uh, For sure. So what types of things are you personalizing or can people personalize in their funnel that have a really big impact? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's, two types of personalization. So fundamentally as, as humans, we're hardwired to process images. It's kind of like amazingly quick. Like millis- I think uh, there was a, a research done by uh, Stanford and it was like 60 milliseconds, right? It takes us to process an image. So if, if you include some level of personalization in that, you can like trigger like a pattern interrupt, like a psychological kind of programming, right? As in your brain just kind of can process that image and it's like, okay, there's something there that's personalized to you or there's something that's familiar and it kind of triggers a little alarm bell. So you just ultimately get more user attention. And essentially, that, you know, it's that that's the, the key, really. Gotcha. So really triggering them and getting that user to stop and pay attention to that message. Yeah. And so when you consider that's the kind of at the heart of it, just that in itself. So it's like when you're watching a television program and it's like your city or there's something that's related to you, you kind of feel internally, it's like, you know, not like you're jumping around shouting about it, but it like triggers that. So on a kind of very simple level, just a coffee cup with your name on it, right, is gonna trigger that pattern interrupt. When you kind of add some levels of complexity to that, and so it's relevant, so you're actually adding value with that personalization, that's when you really start to get some great results. So for example, with App Institute, what we would do is we would find a bunch, a list of businesses. So we'd go to like Facebook, you know, look at the business pages. So here's a category that is takeaway restaurants. So we know the niche is takeaway restaurants. And so here's a template of three app screens because we're a code-free app building platform. Here's three app screens that represent what a takeaway app would look like, but then personalize each screen. So the about the screen had their map on it, it had their name on it. On the homepage, it had their logo on it. The menu page, you know, it was their type of cuisine based on the niche um, industry that they were in. So, you know, it wasn't just get an app. It was like, here's your app. And then so the call to action wasn't build an app. It was claim your app. You know, and essentially what we were doing was we weren't, well, what we were doing is sending out cold emails, but you could be kind of almost because of the image, you can kind of, that was overlooked and we get like a 40, worse, still like a 40% click through rate on those essentially cold wow. images, cold emails. And that's kind of the personalization, you know, when you layer that on. So it's not just personalization that is, you know, psychologically going to trigger something, but it's also adding value as well. You're kind of painting a picture of the future. So then when you extend that journey from, I'm in an email and I've seen a static image of, you know, a array of screens that put my personalization onto, you click the image, you get to the website, and then you've got a whole kind of sales funnel page you know, where every image and every element is personalized to you. So firmographically, business level data, it's saying, hey, fish and chip shop, Bob or whatever, you know, get this thing and this is what it's going to look like. And here's the benefits for, and then specific industry things. And then 
a certain amount of those will kind of go through. But then like with any shop, uh, kind of shopping cart abandonment or trial abandonment, you know, that's still 60, 70%. Then what we start to do is re-engage those with personalized ads. So showing that same, all those same app screens personalized to that specific user, showing those and following them around Facebook, Instagram, and other audience networks. Those three things of um, personalized kind of inbound engagement, personalization, you know, where the conversion's happening on the website, but then personalized re-engagement, just, like I say, just kind of revolutionized our funnel. Essentially, what we're seeing there was a two to three uplift at each stage, but then that's all compounding, right? So, you know, kind of if you're getting 10 more leads at the start, you know, then by the end, you've got like, you know, 170 more leads, you know, it's, it won't move it. Wow. Don't quote me on that mass, but you know, it's, yeah. it's compounding, right? So it's, sure. it's significantly better. That's incredible. Just from 10 leads, you would expect to get what's like a rough number, just like in you could that you've seen with that like compounding lift. Yeah. So, I mean, for example, one of our clients, we did a specific AB test just to kind of prove the kind of the uplift that we're going to get. So we took their existing campaign, which was, it was a, a timesheet app and their cold emails, they were getting a 3% click through rate. So if there was, for every hundred emails they sent, three of those people ending up, ending up at their website. So then what we did is we created six different personalization images of, of their product. Again, putting could be logos, that sort of thing in there. And the average of those six, was 11.5, so almost a 4x uplift. They went from having three prospects to 11. Let's be fair, call it 11. And then if they're also then including personalization on the website, then they're getting a 2x or so uplift there. So that 11, in terms of if they were having, it's called a 10% conversion before, then they're going to get twice that much. That 11, which originally would have been three, you know, so that three with 10% would have been, call it one and a bit, whereas that 11 with a 20% uplift you know, you've now kind of got four or five, right? So mm-hmm. you've kind of gone from one to four or five. So it's kind of like a 5x uplift because it's compounding. And then that will go through for the one that didn't convert, then you're going to give them personalized ads. So obviously there's less of those you'll be marking to it when you're kind of dealing with 11 because you've maybe only got six. But of those six, you'll probably bring through another like 20%, right? So then with those six, of 20% of that signal. Are you really, really testing where the maths did that? <laughs> no, no, it's okay. You don't have to um, go but, with that. I mean, for by. example, HubSpot did a really interesting review because it was yeah. significant in size. It was over 300,000 websites. And what they found was that when personalization was used around the call to action, there was like a 202% uplift, like a 2x wow. uplift. Uh, sales loft on the email side they did a review of over 200 million emails and they found the direct correlation between the reply rate and the amount of personalization. So like to, to kind of go from a 3% to a 7% reply rate, the kind of personalization was going from like zero to like 20%. But to get like 20% personalization in email is like a lot of effort. Yeah. But if you're using a personalized image, think about the real estate in an email. If you've mm-hmm. got a personalized element in there, you're kind of, you know, smashing the 20% percentage from a, a real estate perspective. And because Absolutely. the image is going to be scanned first, you know, it's just a, a quick win to kind of tip over into that, you know, doubling your reply or kind of click through rate or reply rate. For sure. You mentioned sales, sales emails, salespeople. How mm. can salespeople or companies with sales teams use 
personalization? How can they start using personalization if they're interested in it? Yeah, I mean, I think ABM, for example, is a hot topic in sales organizations. And I think this lends perfectly to that because, you know, really what you want to do is you want to identify as kind of more of those kind of high ticket enterprise sort of businesses. For example, Intercom do this perfectly. You know, their landing pages, their sales pages, they will not only just call out the business, but they'll specifically change the elements of the functionality or the testimonials based on the sector of that business. So, you know, you can have pages that are personalized in an obvious way as in it's calling out the business saying, hey, get me Acme, this is perfect for you. But then subtly in terms of, you know, the use cases that the functionality is bubbling up to the top is specific to that sector. So this kind of, when you get to the page, you know, where you get to the landing page, there's obviously the segmentation and personalization at a firmographic level that you can do that's enabled with like say Hyperize or you know, many other more expensive tools. But then there's also like the outreach element of that. So LinkedIn is obviously a, a rich ground for prospecting, right? You know, because that's kind of where people are revealing themselves from a business perspective. So you can say, hey, you know, my ICP, you know, ideal customer profile is an agency, an owner, or, you know, a SaaS business, whatever. And you can slice and dice and create all of those customer pools in LinkedIn. And there's so many great automation tools now that you can create these paths of, I'm going to connect people at this level. If I can find an email, I'll send an email out. If I can't, I'll connect with them. And then being able to stand out from that because that's kind of common practice now. And as I'm saying this to you and as your readers will be hearing this, readers, listeners, <laughs> will, will be hearing this, they'll be nodding their heads saying, yeah, 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 we all do that now. And that's the point. We all do that now, right? So you kind of need to go beyond that to stand out. And so, for example, I just do really simple like the idiot personalization in LinkedIn connections, just like me holding a coffee cup, maybe the GIF, but you know, it's their name on the coffee cup. It just breaks that barrier. And the amount of responses I get said, you know, from people saying, hey, I get 10 of these a day, but your images just kind of were hilarious or different or spoke to me or just, you know, just made a difference. And that's in this day and age where we're exposed to like 5,000 marketing messages a day, you just need to either delight somebody or differentiate yourself, right? You know, and that's kind of, you know, what personalization is doing at that basic level as well. So from a sales perspective, ultimately, whether it's B2B or B2C or whatever, it's H2H, right? It's human to human, right? And so yeah. that's kind of where the connection comes in. And obviously it's key to connect without being creepy. It's kind mm -hmm. of, once you've made a connection, maybe it's, it's fine to go a bit deeper the personalization, but you know, at a kind of introductory level, you know, like say name on the cups, fine. You with a badge with their picture on it, maybe a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are some interesting ways that you've seen people use high price or personalization in sales um, that mm. we haven't touched on before? I'm kind of really fortunate to see a ton of those. And I've actually created a slide deck where I've just kind of been adding those, you know, obviously with permission from my clients and kind of customers as they've been adding them. We're kind of about 150 pages on this slide deck now of all of these various different use cases. Um, but there's some amazing ones. It's normally kind of the best ones, I think, are kind of where people are trying to work around a problem and kind of, and then also implementing, trying to make it better. So I'll give you a good example of that. 
eBay sellers. If, if you sell via eBay, generally eBay will withhold a lot of the digital information of those customers because they just don't want you going and kind of selling direct to them afterwards. Sure. But, but you're still needing kind of address information to ship out to those customers. So you kind of, you might have the name and the address of the customer, but no way of contacting them any other way. One of the great use cases with Hyperize is you can create a personalized image, which can then be sent as a postcard. Um, so we had like a bunch of customer-based kind of Amazon sellers using that solution to send postcards to people. And then on the back, they'll put like a little bitly link, you know, type in this link, and then claim a free offer. And that's the way they were kind of digitizing okay. and collecting these details of these customers. But I kind of saw this and working with the customers, I thought that's a bit of a crap solution. You know, you send the link and they've bitly it to make it short. So it's easy to type in, but it's still a horror. You know, if you ever typed in a bitly link, you know, it's always horrible because it's just kind of random <laughs> yeah. characters. What we did with Hyperize is we added a functionality where we have personalized QR codes. So any personalized okay. image, you can add a, personalized QR code. So with any kind of modern smartphone, you can just show your camera the QR code and it just scans it and takes the URL. But what we can do in that QR code is embed all of the customer data. So then it can be taken to a personalized page, you know, with the product they've bought, with their details, their name, then all they have to do is kind of type in their email and send and then that person, that, that client now digitized it. But with that personalized QR code, that's now opened up a whole raft of use cases beyond that original use case of eBay sellers digitizing them. And now we have a ton of, let's say, SaaS businesses sending personalized letters and personalized postcards like for onboarding, quick scan this to kind of get something, simple call to actions. And what we found was that if you think about, like say if you send out a cold email and you've got a 20% open rate and then a 20% click-through rate, so like a, a net 4%, you would mm. think that campaign was okay for a cold email, generally. Uh, when we were working with some SaaS clients, they would use, like, say, Google Maps, scrape a load of you know, businesses that are in their ICP using Google Maps. They've just got address data, and then send a load of personal postcards out to them. And we're getting like a 20 25% scan rate of those QR codes, significantly better than you know, an, an average baseline for a cold email. And these postcards we integrate with, say, thanks.io or clicksend.com, they're like mm -hmm. 67 cents to send out, you know, landed on someone's doorstep, a personalized postcard, which might have things like of their website or their name or whatever you want to create creatively, you know, beyond just a standard postcard. And like I say, amazing results. And that was, like I say, an unexpected one because it's kind of the offline, but taking the offline online. And I think that's kind of something that, is different these days. There's a kind of a, a GIF or a, a, example, a meme going around of 10 years ago, someone with loads yeah. of mail and they're, they're kind of fuming and they get one email and they're kind of ooh, buzzing. Yeah. And then that fast forward 10 years and they've got a million emails and no mail. Yeah. And it's just playing on that. It's like funny yeah. because it's true, right? Yeah. And this kind of taking, you know, a, a super technical solution within data enrichment and all of that. And then said, oh, we're just going to send them a postcard. Mm. But, you know, and it's just taking it offline. But then it's the enablement of smartphones and scanning that enables you to have a QR code that is universally recognized and then you can take that offline piece and go instantly back online and then it's all trackable and you can see all the results and where they came from because each QR code is personalized to that person dynamically on the fly. That's absolutely pretty cool. All the email sending software out there is great. I love it. I use this stuff every day. But the great part is it allows you to like you can leverage it and send 
high volumes of email to different people and it's great. But the bad part is that everybody else can do it too. So people are getting hit with so much email now because of the tools that are out there that yeah, way you can stand out is with this personalization plus offline, you know, it's something someone's going to remember postcards got a hundred percent open rate. Right. <laughs> and if, yeah, it's per- exactly. if it's personalized, someone's going to look at it. If it's got their name on it. They're going to yeah. look at it and then be like, okay, what's this? From there, they're going to a page that's personalized just for them, exactly. putting your email, that sort of thing to get at, you know, to get to know what they're doing. Something. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love that. I haven't heard much about that before. So that makes me believe that it definitely does work because people aren't, you know, blabbing about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I that <laughs> if you want, uh, you want a real hot topic thing, nothing to do with personalization, something I did uh, last week, which worked amazingly. If you've got time. Yeah, yeah. So you've heard of Hayro, right? You know, help out a reporter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people use Hayro um, as kind of to build links, right? Waiting for inbound uh, requests from journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had this idea of thinking, how about using what I call reverse Hayro? So you being the journalist, you go there and you pose a question, as in, I want to know, have you as a digital agency ever had any fails trying to implement personalization with a customer because they just didn't know what they were doing? You know, how did you resolve that? What's your top tips? Mm-hmm. So just kind of paint the picture of what my ICP is, right? So a yeah. digital agency that's sort of doing personalization, maybe struggling in the past, but you know, it's kind of middling through it or whatever. I got like 30 responses within like uh, posting that within I don't know, like 24 hours, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it works 25 responses, they're all agencies that are my ideal customer. 25 conversations all came with content, which I was then able to create a listicle, which I published on my blog, which they then all shared. And that in itself, they shared to their audience, generated about 30 signups, trial signups to my platform. So I got trial signups, I got content, and I got 25 partner potentials for the sake of sending a free email or saying, getting Hayro to send out an email for me. I love that. And you're not even selling. You're asking. No, 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 you're you're giving value. Because the problem is you give me this quote, you'll get a link. Everybody got a link and then they were super happy with that. And so they all shared it, which then brought me traffic. But then once I'd given them value, then they were happy to talk about further partnership opportunities. And at that point, well, what we're going to do with Hyperize, you could be great if you were you know, using this, we'd do X, Y, Z. And then they're, they're not defensive, they're open to a demo, right? So it was, it was a, a win-win-win as far as I'm concerned. I only did it for the first time last week, to say, but it worked amazingly. Awesome. How many conversations do you generate off doing that? Uh, like I say, so all 25 of the respondees I've either spoken to or had email correspondence with and will speak again at, at some point. In terms of our trials, we don't necessarily speak to every single one. So kind of with our SaaS platform, probably about 50% of our audience is self-serving, but probably the other half. So if it's been about 11 or so trials, that'll probably be about another five or so kind of conversations. So, you know, like I said, I only did that, um, oh God, it's Friday already. Monday or Tuesday um, so every day like I say that article still generating traffic and still generating signups and actually the, the, the conversion rate of those signups on that specific page is higher than our overall site average because wow. obviously 
the only people promoting that page are the people that are linked on it, right? So you sure. haven't done any of the promotion of it. So it's all their clients, which tend to be, you know, their digital agencies. And they've already pre-identified that they, do, they have done personalization services at, at some point, because that was the original mm. journalist question. So that's actually kind of your filtering point. Like but, yeah. qualifying, qualifying people. Exactly. I love it. I love it. That was incredible. I love that. I don't know. Can you, people say growth hack anymore? Is that cool anymore? I don't know. I don't know if that's. Well, I, mean, I think people give growth hacking a bad name because okay. people just spam in the name of growth hacking, right? And sure. I, I put my hand up. I've spammed in the name of growth hacking, right? Because sure. I was just desperate for growth. But this, this one strategy we just talked about there isn't that, right? Because it's growth hacking in terms of you're leveraging OPN, right? Other people's network, right? You're taking Hero and not really using it the way that. I guess most people in the marketplace are using it for, right, as digital marketers, but you're not breaking any Hero's rules because you're posing here, here's a blog, got a domain rank, it's got traffic, and I'm going to put a link on there. You know, what's different? I could also republish on Medium if you want. They're happy for that, you know. So, and that's what you, in your pitch, you say this is where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got 50 DA DA or domain rank blogs. So, you know, that's, people still want a link for that. So it's not like it's kind of, fraudulently or kind of bluffing anybody in that way so that's sure. the win but all it does is just disarm them for further conversation so that for me is a true growth hack right there's no victims in there you know sure. there's nobody kind of having to delete spam and getting you know annoyed by that so that is for me i think a, a good one <laughs> awesome. no that's great that's an interesting way to use like an already helpful tool yeah uh, and make sure there's like wins all around for sure exactly Ian, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in something you mentioned today or want to try out Hyperize? Yeah, okay. So I guess Hyperize, first of all, hyperize.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R-I-S-E. No double R's, no Z's. <laughs> uh, .com, that is. If you want to reach out to me specifically, Ian at hyperize.com. Um, on LinkedIn, I'm Ian1. Bastard, I don't know who got Ian. <laughs> on, on, on Twitter, I'm Ian Naylor. If you want to book a calendar session, calendar.com, Ian Naylor. Um, any of those will do. Put Ian Naylor in the search engine and I'm sure it'll turn up. Just there you go. <laughs> Love it, man. Great learning about what I feel is like the next frontier, at least for sales and salespeople, is using personalization. Uh, and for sure for marketers. So I love hearing about this and it's great that your product is doing so well. It's been so well received. So it's great to chat with you and learn some about things you're doing and uh, looking forward to uh, staying in touch with you. Amazing. Morgan, it's been great chatting with you. Pre really appreciate Absolutely. it. Thank Absolutely. you for your time. You have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.